So we're going to start today then with talking about slavery. There's a couple of lessons that we have on slavery. We start today with the background. Tomorrow we do the uh, rebellions and escapes. And then on Thursday we do kind of the politics behind it. Um, the only other thing is kind of slave life. What was life like for them? And that you're going to do in an assignment by reading some of the things they wrote about their own lives. Um, so that's, it's pretty interesting. It's not positive. Like this is a, this is a good time to think happy thoughts. I don't know. It's, it's rough when we get into this. But let's start with this. Why, why are we talking about this? So think about historical significance. We're establishing things that matter. Why would slavery matter? Like, I would much rather be talking about something more entertaining. How come we're going to spend a, a few days on slavery? It caused a war. What war would that be? Yeah, if we take slavery out of history, do we have a civil war? No, we absolutely do not. No, so, uh, yeah, that's, that's really it. It caused a war. That war is fun to talk about. Wouldn't have been fun to live through. But it is, it is pretty, pretty entertaining. We still have issues today because of slavery even though it wasn't us for most of it it's us it wasn't even our ancestors but yet we inherit some of the issues that that come from this so great answer yep because we have a war so we're getting set up for this now um actually she just said this so way to go we gotta start by defining slavery now i know that sounds stupid but you probably aren't aware that there's many different kinds of slavery. The kind that we're talking about in the U.S. South in the 1800s is called chattel slavery. What that means is that they owned the people, people owning other people. It meant that they could buy and sell the person. I know that you're probably sitting there like, "What? that's what slavery is. But just wait. This is unusual. You'll, you'll see in, in just a minute. Um, and it also involves owning their children, owning their offspring. Okay, so how is this weird in world history? Let's think about a different system then that didn't use chattel slavery. Uh, and just because I think more of you might be aware of it if you took the ancient world history, um, let's talk Rome. Like the Roman Empire, not modern Rome. Hey, if you were a slave in ancient Rome, chances were good that you were a slave for one of two reasons. One, you were an enemy combatant that was captured. Now, some of your ancestors were these people. They were in, say, Great Britain, what's now Great Britain, and you're fighting against the Romans, and they got captured, became slaves. Usually that was for kind of a set period of time. Uh, the other way you could become a slave is if you owed a debt. You, you took out a loan, you couldn't pay it back. So then you go into slavery for a period of time. 
from one year to two years to 20 years, and you pay back the person by being their slave. You could earn your way out if you made enough money, and you'd make money from running errands, doing extra work, doing whatever. Um, you could earn your way out of it. Your children wouldn't automatically be slaves. So, so you might be a slave in this household. Your spouse wouldn't have been a slave. They might have and they might not have. And your children would not have been slaves too. It was just you for a certain period of time. And then they didn't own you. They couldn't do anything they want to you. Where in chattel slavery, they can do anything they want. They own the people completely. One of the things you'll read about is, is one, uh, one lady talking about her experience um, being raped by her master. And that was very common in the American South. Not so much in, in other forms of slavery. So does that make sense? Now you see how we, we need to define it, explain it in a little more detail. So in, by what I just described, chattel slavery, is it better than or worse than other forms of slavery? Worse, yeah, this is the worst form of slavery that mankind ever devised. Now, was it peculiar to the United States? Was the United States the only country that practiced this form of slavery? I like how you're all shaking your heads, but no one dares say it out loud. Yeah, the answer is no. It's not. This is, they were doing this all over the Americas, a little bit in Europe, actually more than a little bit in Europe, uh, in North Africa. This, this was very common in this time period. So this is not the form of slavery that was most common in the world history, but it is the form that's most common in that time period. Okay, so how did this thing start? Well, it started with Europeans. The Europeans were really into African slaves because they had mostly enslaved other Europeans. And this is, chattel slavery becomes a racial thing. And it still has an impact because of that. But slavery in the, if you went back a thousand years from, from today, slavery wasn't a racial thing. They started to make it a racial thing because African slaves were black. And I know that sounds stupid, but you picture you have some Europeans, they're sitting there, they've got a few slaves, they're all white, they're all European too, and then someone else has a black person, they're like, oh, exotic. That's cool, so it becomes the trendy thing to get an African person, and the Portuguese really capitalize on this. When they start in the mid part of the last millennium, when they start, you know, Columbus sails the ocean blue and they do all that other stuff, when they go and do this, the Portuguese are the ones that really start the slave trade in earnest. They really start pulling them over to work in Latin America. Now I'm going to pause for a sec. A lot of you are like, what? He's talking about race. Yeah, because we're talking about slavery. And this ends up with a racial justification. We're going to talk more about that another day.
But to treat another person the way that these people were treated requires a lot of uh, suspending your morality. And so they had to justify it in some way, and they justified it by saying that those people aren't really human, not the same way that they were. And so you're going to see that in a few of the documents. You'll see it more when we start talking about the causes of the Civil War. It will make you uncomfortable. Some of you, when you get uncomfortable, you'll be like, you'll laugh. That's an inappropriate response, but it's actually a very human response to laugh at things you shouldn't laugh at. Um, some of you will just be like, what? Oh. You'll look at each other and give yourself knowing looks. So this, yeah, because it's not like, I'm hoping no one in this room is sitting there and they're like, yes, they were right. <laughs> oh, let's bring, right, I'm hoping that's not the audience. If that is you, then college might not be the thing for you or, you know, anything else that requires thinking. So <laughs> I'm glad you understood that that was a joke. Thank you for, for laughing. Okay, so. So the Portugals, Portugals, the Portuguese start to pull people over into the Americas. What do they want? What's the problem that they're trying to solve? Le Sorry, that's too broad a question. Portuguese settle in Brazil. Okay, and they're growing one crop in particular that really, really sucks to grow beyond all imagination. What was it? Later, that's not that bad. That's North America. It's sugar. Why is sugar so bad? To grow. I mean, it's obviously bad for you. That's why it's so delicious. Oh, good. Yes, the climate is terrible. You know, what's Brazil like? This isn't a trick question. You keep looking for trick questions. I'm not trying to give you trick questions. What? It's hot. It's humid. It's like a jungle someone said. I love that description word. Yeah, it's, it's a jungle. It, would it feel good to be doing manual labor, heavy manual labor? Okay, now what does sugar grow in? What is it? Like a tube. It's like bamboo. It's called cane. It's called sugar cane. It's super thick. It, it's technically a grass, but you don't mow it like you mow a lawn. Like it's... It's super hard work. Have you ever cut bamboo? It is not like, in the movies, they go through bamboo with a machete and they're just like whack, whack. That is not the way it works. Bamboo is like cutting through a tree that you just wish would just die. Like it is, it is such a pain in the butt to, to chop the thing down. It's, it's so difficult. So sugar cane's incredibly hard to harvest. And so the Portuguese need workers to do it. Turns out that not a lot of people volunteer for this job. So slavery becomes more and more of a thing. And that's really the introduction of chattel slavery. Uh, the Portuguese spread this throughout the world. If you know Portuguese people, it's not their fault. It's their ancestors. So just, I, it is their ancestors' fault. <laughs> um, so look at this map here. And you see that a lot are going to South America. Where else are a lot going? 
Central America, why? This is a trickier question, but you can come up with it. What? Not yet. Yeah, not yet. Good thinking. It's the same reason. Uh, yep, good. More planting, more sugar. Yeah, see? Cut down on that sugar. It's just not good. Like, there's so... I'm kidding. Now they harvest it with machines. Machines. Okay, so they, they take the slaves over from Africa to the New World. In the New World, they pick up crops. What are they picking up? Tobacco and cotton. Good. Then they take those back to Europe. In Europe, it says guns. And what else does it say? Textiles. They love trading guns because the first time the Europeans trade guns for slaves. The next time they come back, they trade ammo. The next time they come back, they trade ammo. The next time they come back, they trade, guess what? Oh yeah, ammo, how did you know? <laughs> yeah, so they, they do this, it's really effective for them and it ends up being so severe in Africa that some African societies become polygamous because they've lost so many of their men. Some nations are wiped out. Africa we think of as being tribal, but it wasn't always, not all of it. Um, so some of their nations are wiped out because they lose such a great degree of their population. So this is massive. Hey, this thing, the going from America to Europe to Africa to America to Europe to Africa, you notice that if you squint, maybe if you tilt your head sideways, it's a triangle. They call that triangular trade. Slaves, sugar, to cotton, to guns. And I don't need to talk about how crappy that passage was for the slaves, right? For the enslaved people. You already know that. Good. It's good that you know that. Hey, now let's step back to the earliest days of the United States. And we need to put things in context just a little bit. So, in 1776, slavery was legal in all 13 states. But it wasn't just the states, it was also legal throughout Europe and in Africa and pretty much the entire world allowed this kind of slavery to take place. So this is called context. We're putting things in, we're talking about the situation in which people find themselves. Why does that matter? Why would I be bringing that up? Perfect. They don't have the same perspective as us. It would take a lot of imagination for someone who grew up where this was normal behavior to sit and be like, you know what? This isn't the way we should do things. Now, some people did. We had some abolitionists. But most other people were kind of like, that's just strange. 
That's just weird. Everybody lives in the reality with which they're presented. Hey, now, I have a clip, a clip, too many movies. I, I have an excerpt from the Declaration of Independence that I want you to read. But we need to get some context for this, too. First, who was the chief writer of the Declaration? You think of the Federalist Papers. So your answer is brilliant, but it's not right. Yeah. Um, Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson. Yeah, he wrote most of it. They, they formed a committee. The whole committee just dumped it on Jefferson because uh, they were very smart people, Adams and uh, Franklin and a couple others. So Jefferson wrote the thing. Now, what do we know about Jefferson in regards to slaves? Good, yes, he had them. He had them. So Jefferson is a slave owner. Jefferson did not like slavery from what he wrote. So he never freed his slaves. He always said that he resolved to, but he never actually did it. Um, and then there's the whole thing with Sally Hemings that we're not going to get into in this class. Not right now. Um, I suspect most of you already know it, but just a side note. Um, so Jefferson wrote this. This is part of the list. So the declaration starts with when in the course of human events it becomes necessary to dissolve the political bands where the United States is tied to Britain. We want to dissolve those political ties and create a separate nation. Then they explain why. And the, the bulk of the declaration, if you'll remember, is pretty much King George sucks. It's a list. And since it's a letter to King George, it, it's not the world's nicest list. You know, it's like, this is why you're a terrible person, King George. This is why. This is why. And they keep going through all the reasons why. And they send it to him. It says right here. So there's one of those reasons why that was near the bottom that they crossed off. That's what I'm going to show you. So I want you to read it. This is like the longest of the reasons. You ready? Okay. So read it, please.
Okay, so we've been analyzing primary documents a lot. So let's start with what are some of the words that Jefferson chooses to use to describe slavery? Cruel war. He's waged cruel war. Good. What else? What else reveals his opinion? Piratical warfare. We think of pirates as being cool and fun. They're, in real life, they're not cool or fun. They're scary and bad. What else? Yeah. Violating their most sacred rights of life and liberty. Excellent. Do you have another one? Go ahead. Ooh, the Christian king of Great Britain has done this. You're supposed to be better than this, George. You get? What is wrong with you? Hey, now. Now, so, George has perpetuated the slave trade. How was this received? Does anyone know? The answer is not well. Not well. When they read this document, because this is the days before photocopies or computers. They, they weren't putting it on so it could be on everyone's monitor. Uh, they read the thing out, and when they hit this point, they, they balked at it. See, here's the thing. So this is a picture, uh, picture of a painting. 1918. What have I circled? Yeah, I, I circled the ones that were not slave owners. So what does that tell you about the rest? That means the rest were slave owners. Uh, since I don't want you to take the time to count, I wrote it down. This was, there are 47 people in this painting. 72% were slave owners. Now, there were some, like Jefferson, he was a slave owner who said that slave owning was bad. In fact, they challenged him on it. He said, I've already resolved to free my slaves, something he never did. So how did these guys respond? Not well. Not well. As a matter of fact, that passage they strike from the declaration. They take it out. Our independence almost died that day. Turned into an argument. Hey, we can't do this. John Adams, we can't do this. We can't keep slaves and say that we're going to be a free nation. Adams was right. He was usually right. But it doesn't matter because there weren't enough votes to pass independence. So in order to get independence, they had to strip it out. They had to remove it. That's going to come back and bite us with the Civil War. Yay. Does that make sense? Can you answer six then? Now, by the way, saying the Founding Fathers were all slave-owning jerks doesn't mean anything. First, we need some context. Second, understand that at least four of these people founded abolitionist societies, either before or after. 
Ben Franklin was a huge abolitionist. Uh, the simple fact is the Founding Fathers, anytime anyone uses it, and it's like the Founding Fathers thought usually the next word out of their mouth is wrong because the Founding Fathers was a group of people. You can't get a group to agree on anything. Or if you really like making fun of Congress, John Adams said, one useless man is a shame, two useless men are a law firm, and four or more useless men constitute a Congress. It's funny, because he was one of these people. So, Hey, now seven. Why is this historically significant? Two people already gave you this answer. Because this, this, this leads to the Civil War. Yeah. Are there other factors involved in the Civil War? Oh, absolutely. But if we could somehow go back to 1776 and be like, guys, you're building something really cool. And by not leaving this in here and outlawing slavery right now, you're going to screw it up. If we could erase slavery, we erase the Civil War. Hey, we put it this way. So this is just what you just wrote for seven. This is historian Gordon Wood from Brown University. Since slavery began to be attacked and eliminated from that moment on. What moment is this? The American Revolution. That's what he's talking about. And then he gives evidence. The first anti-slave convention in history was held in Philadelphia in 1775. This is the key part. The American Revolution made slavery a problem for the world when it had not been before. It's at this point that most of the world starts looking and saying, hey, maybe we shouldn't be treating people this way. That's why it's historically significant. I also like the way Gordon Wood ends here. He says all of that is lost in today's climate. Uh, historians like nuance and modern politicians do not, if you haven't noticed that. They, they do all their arguments on Twitter, and 140 characters are not enough to give any kind of reasonable response to anything. So we have slavery. They outlaw it in the North. Um, the Northern states outlawed actually pretty soon after. They outlaw slave trade directly in the Constitution. And so they just keep the kids of the slaves that they had before. Now, this is a gradual process. Part of why slavery ended in the North is because it wasn't that prosperous. It wasn't that effective. It was pretty good for uh, tobacco, but that's also mostly a warmer weather crop. But it's really good for cotton. And there was this dude named Eli Whitney who saw how poorly the slaves' lives were, how poor their, their lives were, and he wanted to make them a little bit easier. So he invents this thing called the cotton gin. So that picture on the left really shows what the cotton gin does. You see on the far left, that's cotton, that's natural cotton, full of all those seeds. Imagine if that got woven into your clothing. 
you're sitting there, you got your underwear on, it's cotton, you have all those seeds poking you in the butt, it would be uncomfortable, very uncomfortable. So what they would do is they would pick the seeds out by hand. It was incredibly time consuming. And it was about at the point that they were going to give up on cotton. Eli Whitney doesn't really understand this. So he invents this cotton gin that pulls the seeds out with a machine. All they have to do is put the cotton in and then spin the wheel. And you see how there's kind of brushes, kind of metal brushes? What those do is they brush out the cotton. So the cotton comes out and the seeds stay behind. And it's wonderful, except what it does is it make slavery profitable again. And so unfortunately for poor Whitney, he's trying to do a good thing and it doesn't have a great result. So slavery becomes associated with the South because the South is the place where it's economically prosperous. It's the place where they can have places like this. Now we'll see why I'm over-exaggerating this in just a second. But You've seen the images of the plantation south where there's like the beautiful woman in her big dress with all the floofiness. By the way, they put metal cages inside their dresses to make them floofy like that. I don't know how they sat down. Would have been very, they, they just didn't really for a lot of the time when they're wearing those suckers. That wasn't day-to-day -day wear. Uh, so they, they have the big floofy things, or they'd use a smaller one for the day-to-day -day life. You don't care, but that's your random historical fact for the day. Um, who supported them living in a house like this? Where did they get the money? Yeah, from their slaves. Their slaves are the ones doing the work. The slaves are the ones upkeeping the mansion. The slaves are the ones doing doing all of that kind of bit. So this whole plantation lifestyle becomes associated with the South. Now, I have some stats for you that are gonna argue a little bit with what I just said, which is why I have them in here. So for question six, look through it, read through these stats and come up with some of your answers. What do you notice in these stats? Go ahead and write it down. Feel free to ask any questions you have while you're looking at these two.
going to point out, how can that top one be true? It's including all Southern whites. Yep. Well, so there's some. Yes, this is put these together. Yeah, so it depends. It depends on how rich the area you were in was. So if you were in a very wealthy area, you might have uh, a lot of people that own slaves, up to 50% of whites in that area where in another area, you might just have one really, really wealthy person who owned all of them. So it just depends. So the plantations, are they normal? No, they're kind of weird. They're kind of weird. So they, they become associated with the South, but that's not the way most of the people lived. But here's the answer to number 10. even though those plantations are not very normal, the poor white people who don't live on plantations, most of them, not all, but most of them, would rather hope for the chance that they could someday become wealthy and live on a plantation, be a plantation owner. So this is a powerful mythology to them. When we get to the Civil War, we do have some poor Southern whites fighting on behalf of the South, trying to preserve a lifestyle that they themselves don't live, but they wish they lived it. They hope that someday they or their kids will live it. it to them, it's the American dream. It's the Southern dream. Yeah. The antebellum, meaning before Civil War, Southern dream. Questions? You good? You got the background? Okay, here's your assignment. Oh, no, question. Camera? You kind of missed three. Let me see the question there. Sorry, thanks, Will. How did the intercontinental African slave trade begin? It starts with the um, Europeans wanting to own the exotic slaves, and then it really picks up with uh, sugar trade. Yeah. Okay, so your assignment. You've done similar assignments before where you come up with, you read the document and you come up with the questions that you want to ask. I'll just remind you, just a sweet, gentle reminder, give me complex questions. Don't give me, I, I had someone in the last class get frustrated with me. Um, well, or frustrated with himself because he sat and, and gave really easy questions like who, what, when, where. That's just too easy. Start thinking about like why and stuff. I have a thing up at the top to remind you of that on the thing. You're going to read three documents. Um, they're by former slaves. So they are, they're good information, firsthand knowledge. Um, one in particular will probably make you uncomfortable. One lady's going to describe um, her owner's rape. It is not graphic. 
it is the calmest and gentlest way of describing this that could possibly exist. Um, but I hope it makes you uncomfortable anyway. Like, I hope that kind of thing, when you see people being treated like that, um, it was a big part of their experience. So that's why it's in there. You're also going to see them talk about how, uh, how they lived kind of day to day, um, the, the kinds of things that they had to do. So ask questions. What I really want you to see is what slave life was like.